Well, good morning, church family. Y'all doing well? Yeah, well, listen, y'all have got a great blessing today because I know you've wondered what the, the question of life, eight billion people on the planet, who's the best grandson on the whole earth? And he's here with us today and, and a pretty cool, yeah, clap for yourself, Walton. <laughs> a, a, a pretty cool grandma's bringing him up too. Look at this. It, you're eating, oh, we've got him bribed. He's eating pretzels. So, uh, yeah. So we can bring them up here today because mommy and daddy are out of town and they don't know what we're doing with you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yesterday, grandma was gone. So it was just grandpa and Walt all day long. And uh, we got to do whatever we wanted. Nobody to stop us. And we got a little scratch on our face. But we won't. Y'all don't bring it up. He's very conscious about it. So uh, y'all wait. Wait. Can you wave to everybody? Say, no, nah, not so much. <laughs> Who are they? There you go. There you go. Bye, Walt. Yeah, he is. It's my, my DNA right there. I don't know how far down it works, but it's there. So, hey, man, I'm excited to see the crowd here today. I mean, we're three weeks into death and dying, and you're still here. I mean, I'm, I'm seriously, I'm impressed. I'm like, oh, boy, how did we get to three, four weeks on this? And, and uh, man, you're, you're here. Thank you. Uh, you. You know, I said from the get-go, this, this is not fun stuff. It, it, you, don't, you don't really, I don't want to talk about that. I want to hear that today. But, gosh, when you, when you look at what is happening in our society, and it's not like this started happening a week ago uh, this has been going on for decades. When you look at what's happening with murder, with suicides, with uh, drug overdoses. And, and you know what, folks? A culture of death is not just a, a dead body laying on the ground. A, a culture of death includes thoughts and the way we look at each other, the way we, we treat each other. And there's this just growing thought, in, in my opinion, I, don't, I can't state this as a fact, that we're just beginning to look at people. If you're different than me, if, if I don't like what you stand for, you're to be destroyed. And that seems to be becoming a very acceptable idea that there are people that need to be destroyed. That, that's a product of a, of a death culture. And, and we need to know how to address that. I mean, we've been given life, right? We, we've been given life. We've been given life eternal. We've been given a message of life. Our culture, our friends, our, our kids, our grandkids, they need us to know how to address, how, how to deal with, with what is going on in our world today. You know, you might remember a couple of weeks ago when, when I started this, I said, we didn't get here by accident. We didn't even get here by some evil scheme. I mean, you would kind of expect, oh, evil's what God... No, we got to where we are by a choice. We chose it. Isn't that what Deuteronomy 30 taught us when we started this? Deuteronomy 30, verses 15 to 20, check it out. God has set before us life, and God has set before us death. And we chose death. We, we chose death with every step we take away from this book. Gosh, I, you know, I was reading this morning, just in, in, in reading, unrelated to today's message or this series or anything, and, and I read this in Proverbs fourteen twelve. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. You know, there's my opinions, there's my thoughts, there's my feelings, which in our culture, we now raise above truth. There's something greater than truth. There's something greater than right and wrong. It's what I think. It's what I feel. It's my opinion. And there's another verse that says, that way leads you to death. 
And, and, and so we need to know how to address this. We, we need to know how to respond in this culture that, by the way, we're a part of. When I said the culture walked away from this word, we're a part of the culture. We've all done that. I mean, we like to think, well, we're the, we're the better part of culture, right? Hey, you know what, folks? We, there's been places every single one of us has walked away from God's word. There's, there's places where every single one of us have raised our own opinion, our own idea, our own thoughts above truth, above what God has said. So, so here we are trying to look at that, discuss this as a, as a family, as a body of Christ. So is it going to make any difference? I mean, boy, you know what? By the time we get to the end of April in 2019, we will have eradicated a culture of death. It'll be gone. You know, if you, if you ask me, I think probably not. I, I, I know, will it make any difference at all? You know, you, you and I, I think sometimes we're, we maybe don't start down a road because what difference is it going to make? But you know, the, the, the issue, the question is not, are we going to change America? Are, are we going to change a culture of death? The, the question is, what has God called us to do? That's what I need to be faithful to, not, not the change that's going to happen. I need to be faithful to what God's called us to do, called me to do. And he's called you and I. I mean, a lot of verses could express this. Matthew five fourteen and 16. I mean, you are the light of the world. You, the solid C-minus student. You, you, the plumber, the accountant, the person who doesn't even like their job. You, the average neighbor, probably not the best neighbor on the street, you don't host all the socials. You, the mom buried under Cheerios. You, you are the light of the world. When you read that, folks, you're to hear it. You personally, the average person walking down the street that has Christ living in them. You're the light of the world. And you are to so intentionally shine that light through the good you are, the good you do, the good you speak... That people end up looking up to heaven and praising God. That people end up acknowledging there's a God by your behavior, by your life. And, and, and so, folks, when we realize, okay, we are. Man, listen, the statistics, the, the thoughts that permeate our, our society bear this out. We're a culture of death. Okay, if, if I've been called to be a light, then I need to know specifically the culture I'm in. I need to know what the issues are there so I can on purpose shine light that makes a difference. And that means being ready to speak life. You know, when we looked at Deuteronomy 30, we saw, and I hesitate to use this word, how simple it is to speak life. Deuteronomy 30 says, choosing life is loving God, obeying God, and holding on to God. Now, I'm going to best speak that when I'm really trying to live it. You don't have to wait till you're living it perfectly, but it, that's my heart. That's my desire and goal, right? To love them, to obey them, to hold on to them. And as that's the life I'm trying to live, then I can begin to speak it. And say, well, what do you mean speak it? Okay, so last week we looked at suicide. Kevin, Kevin Skellett was here to help me. Didn't he do an incredible job? Gave us a lot of... Yeah, we, he's probably watching, right? Well, no, he's probably at work. He's a pastor. Uh, but he'll watch it. Go ahead and applaud for Kevin. No, 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 no. I did a little half clap. Am I supposed to clap? Am I not supposed to clap? Yeah, man, he did a great job. We got a lot of resources. Uh, if you weren't here and want to go see those, go to our church app. And uh, click on the sermon notes, a lot of resources. But you'll remember one of the things we saw up there is, hey, here's what you're watching for. 
You know, in people's actions, in, in, in things that they're saying. Okay, so you have somebody in your life that's saying some of these things, that, that, that's acting in some of these ways. You know what it means to speak life? It might mean as simple as coming alongside them and say, man, I, I, I don't understand everything that's going on. I don't, I, I don't have answers for some of the difficulties you're dealing with. But, man, could we talk together? Could we just start praying together what it means to love Jesus in this kind of situation? Hey, 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 could we talk about how we obey the Lord when we're dealing with feelings like this, when we're dealing with pain and hurt like this? Now, isn't it a tendency to think, well, that's not going to make any difference. Well, what is going to make difference? I, I know the culture's speaking into them. I know the culture's speaking death into them. Man, we've got to speak life. So last week, we, we looked, started generally. Last week, we looked at, at uh, suicide. Next week, we're going to look very specifically at the issue of, of murder. Uh, that's not one that gets you out of bed in the morning. Is oh, great, the pastor's talking about murder today. Let's, let's go hear that. But, uh, you know, folks, there's actually something pretty profound there in, in what the Lord has to say to us about that. And I've got, you know, knowing that's a little bit of a difficult topic, I've got kind of a different way of starting that sermon. I'm, I'm doing that kind of a, hopefully a fun and intriguing way to, you know what, that sounded weird. I, I probably shouldn't put the word fun and murder in the same context, so just scratch that. Uh, but, but we'll have a different start to next week's message, I, I, I'll say that. And so today then, we're, we're looking at the death penalty. Obviously something very closely related to, to the issue of murder. And, uh, you know, folks, as we, we look at that again, that's a kind of a topic you think, what, who cares what I know about the death penalty? It's not going to change anything. It is what it is. They, the government, the, the, the culture, they're going to do whatever they're going to do regardless of what I think. But, folks, again, the issue's not what difference am I going to make in that. The, the issue is can I be God's representative on that issue? Can I be God's representative in a culture of death and be able to, to speak to that? Man, we need to know what God says. We need to know how to think on that, how to pray on that. If, if necessary, it's sometimes in places how to, how to vote on that. And I'll tell you something, I hesitate using the word vote. I know it didn't sound like I just hesitated using the word. But I understand that the that, that death penalty uh, can at times become a part of a political agenda. It, it, it can be politicized. And that, that is not at all my goal today is that, that, that we follow a politic on this or, or we vote a certain way. It's that we know what God says on this. You know, when I was talking to one of my, my sons this week, mon- Monday or Tuesday, and he, 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 you know, he said, what, what, are you, what are you preaching on this week? And, and I told him, and so he asked what I think is probably a pretty normal question. He said, well, what do you think about that? And, and you know, what came out of my mouth next, I, I didn't intend for it to be some little quip or, or a little, you know, fancy response. I wasn't trying to teach a lesson in that. But, I, but I'll tell you, I mean, it was without thought. I, it just came right out. I said, you know, what I think on that's irrelevant. What God said is what counts. That, that's what we have to understand. And, and be, before I sound all high and mighty, oh, it's what God says, not what I think. You know, the next thing I thought, or, or after I hung up, I thought, you know, if that was my response to everything going on in my life, you know, just because I can pick some issues and say, well, the important thing is what God says, not what I think, doesn't mean I don't have issues in my own life where I probably really should be working a whole lot more from 
what God says and not just what I think, right? I'm not the only one like that, right? So we, we, we want to know what God actually says. And folks, for murder, there is to be a death penalty. And you know, just making that statement, that, that just instantly, that raises some hard questions, or I, that raises questions that have difficult answers. There, there's a difficult application to that. As a matter of fact, a lot of people's arguments against the death penalty are not actually arguments about the right and wrong of a death penalty. They're arguments about the application, how we rightly do the death penalty. And that is a challenge because the death penalty is going to be put into the hands of man. And we don't do anything perfect, do we? There is absolutely nothing in the history of mankind on this earth that we have done perfectly. We make mistakes. Well, my goodness, when you start talking about making a mistake with something like the death penalty, well, that's a pretty big mistake, isn't it? And and so, yes, there are challenging and difficult things to work through, but none of it changes the fact that we need the death penalty because we so highly value life. Because life is sacred and it's to be protected. You know, the last couple of weeks I've been asking it as a question. Let me take the question mark off and make it a a statement. That the the death penalty is not a product of a culture of death. The death penalty is a protector against a culture of death. So let's see what God says on this. We have Genesis 9, 6. Notice I added 5B. 5B just means I didn't quote all of 5. I just quoted the last part of 5. But a lot of times when we quote this verse, we start with whoever. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. The the death penalty. But actually 5B I find to be very intriguing, very important from his fellow man I will require a reckoning for the life of him. It's a very important statement. We'll come back to it. Let me finish reading the passage. So whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. Why? For God made man in his own image. You know, as I I read that passage, one of the things that, that hits me first is how direct and clear that passage is. You know, I mean, I mean, this, this is going to be one of these places where people say, oh, there's lots of different interpretations. Oh, you know, this denomination, this church believes this. Oh, this denomination, this church believes this. I mean, we're, we're kind of led to believe by our culture that nothing in here can really be taken too serious because y'all all just interpret it different ways. Is there a lot of ways to interpret that? You, you know what's being confused as a way of interpreting the Bible? Rejecting it. There's a lot of believers. There's a lot of churches that reject God's word. That's not an issue of, well, you take it this way and we take it that way. Rejection is not an interpretation. I mean, folks, that that, that phrase or that passage is just frightfully clear. Frightfully direct and straight. They're done. Hey, society. That's what that first line says. Society, I hold you accountable when there's a murder in the land. We're, we're actually going to pick up on that next week a little bit. The idea of a, of a murder in the land. And what that make, makes us all responsible for. But there, God starts off this idea by saying, I hold you accountable 
for rightly dealing with, for rightly responding to when there's been a murder. And, and, and what is that response to be? It's, it's to be the death penalty. You know, sometimes we're, we're accused of, of kind of speaking out both sides of our mouth or, or contradicting ourselves because, you know, maybe on one issue or one idea, oh, we promote life. And, and, and we highly value life. And then, oh, but over here, we support the taking of life. That, that's not a contradiction. You, you might disagree with the conclusion, but it is because we highly value life that we believe any attack against it requires the highest form of punishment. It is the level of punishment that communicates how highly it is to be valued. And do you notice that God explains there why it's to be valued? Why there is to be a death penalty? Because man is made in the image of God. You understand? That's the value of your life and of my life. I've got God's image on me. Do you know that's not said of any other part of creation? The, the, The sun, the moon, and the stars were not created in the image of God. Very inspiring, very awesome to look at, but they're not the image of God. Uh, the, the mountains, the ocean, the streams and lakes, also very inspiring to us, aren't they? No part of the image of God in that. The, the fishies in the sea and the lions on the plain, no part of God's image. You, you, you and me, we, humanity, we are the part that is like God. That, that is here to represent God. And that is to mean something. Now, it would be a whole other sermon to unwrap and talk about all that it means and what it means that you and I were created in the image of God. But it says something so special about us that we no way, in no way, attack another life and, and seek to destroy that life. And if we do, there's only one response. You, you give up your life. You ever, you ever heard the phrase, two wrongs don't make a right? That, that would be a response of some people. Okay, so there was a wrong done, a life was taken, but we're not doing right by taking another life. This might sound strange. I actually don't believe that the death penalty is continuing the loss of life. The death penalty is preserving and protecting life. Now, you know, that would be one of the arguments against uh, the uh, the death penalty is that it it doesn't make a difference. It doesn't stop crime. It doesn't deter murder. That that statement is made a lot. Now, if that is true, and 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 that needs to be researched. That needs to be understood. That word "if," right? If it is true that the death penalty, and we'll just limit our study today to to modern America, if it makes no difference, I would suggest it is because it is so insignificantly and inconsistently applied that it has no impact. In in 2016, in the United States of America, there was 17,250 murders. And there was 20 executions. You see what I mean by now? The entirely insignificant response. 17,250 murders. And in the same year, 20 executions. That doesn't even show up on the scale. That, that does, that's not even a measurable response to that. Now, now, obviously that 20 is not related to the 17,250, right? 
It it, it takes years. Those would have been murders that happened years prior. But just think about it in in how the news hits us. The story says, I mean, the story of America, 17,250 times we were hit with a murder and only 20 times did we see a just response. Yeah, it's going to be kind of hard to point to the big difference that it makes when it's so insignificant a response. But here's the crazy thing. The research actually does show that the death penalty has an impact on murder. In uh, November 18th, 2007, I think I got that date right. November 18th, 2007 edition of the New York Times, uh, a writer by the name of Adam Liptak, L-I-P-T-A-K. That was obviously 10 some years ago, so I don't know if he still writes for them. But, but he was writing for him then, and he was writing on this issue, and he quoted a researcher from Louisiana State University, LSU, who was an opponent to the death penalty. And this researcher was amassing, okay, where, where all it has been applied in society and other societies and, and does it make a difference on the amount of crime? Does it make a difference on the amount of murder? And do you know, even though he went in there against the death penalty, he came out of his research going, oh, it does make a difference. As a matter of fact, he actually attached a, a numerical. He said a numerical difference can be attached to this. For every execution, five people are saved. For every execution, there's going to be five murders that don't happen. I would call that significant. I would, I would call that significant research that the death penalty does make a difference. You know, another argument against the death penalty, and here again... This isn't about the rightness or wrongness of the death penalty. It would be an argument against a wrong application. But one argument used against it is that it's unfairly applied to minorities and to the poor. Now, if that is true, in other words, we've got to research. I mean, the statement's made a lot. Is it a, is it a true statement? If, we got to research if. But if it's true, well, that ha- that's not okay, is it? That, that's wrong. That has to be addressed. And that would be a frustrating part of my sermon. My saying it needs to be addressed doesn't change anything. My my saying it needs to be addressed is is easier said than done. You know, my guess is part of that would be as simple as the quality of legal care. You know, if I can get the right legal care, then I can work the law against the law to get me out of something. And, and that, that happens. It happens. It happens a lot with the right legal. If I don't have good legal care, then I, I, you know, I can't get the law to do anything for me in that case. I can't get it to protect me. So it could be as, uh, something as simple as that. You know, we said a moment ago, the death penalty is being put into the hands of man. And man doesn't do things perfectly. And that could be an outplay of that imperfection, is that it is unfairly applied in, in the case of racism driving that or poverty driving that. Now, it was interesting that, that t- those 20 people that I referred to that were executed in 2016, two were black, two were Latino, and 16 were white. Now, that by itself doesn't prove anything. One year doesn't prove anything on any issue, but it sure makes you scratch your head and say, well, maybe I need to go back and look at what, what would 25 years say? And I didn't do that research. I, I don't know what, what 25 years would, would say, but maybe, maybe that has been true and we are trying to rectify that and, and, and correct that issue. 
You know, I think an argument used a lot uh, against the church probably used against our young people in school and in places like college is that, oh, well, no, wait a minute, You're, y'all, are, y'all are Christians, right? Y'all do that whole love and forgive thing? D- didn't your Jesus, what, what did he say something about turning the other cheek? Okay, so you believe that Jesus said turn the other cheek and you also believe that Jesus said there's to be a a death penalty. Okay, well, either your Jesus is contradicting himself or you're contradicting himself. And you and I look at him and go, "Uh, I think we're contradicting ourselves. Yeah, how, how, How do you do both? How, how do you turn the other cheek, not get revenge, and execute somebody? That, that doesn't add up, does it? W- would you be surprised if I said there's no contradiction there at all? Now, you may not know what I'm going to say, but you might know I didn't. I totally expect you to say there's no contradiction. You, you know, folks, it's amazing how many times people, on any issue, on anything in Scripture, oh, the Bible contradicts itself, it, it contradicts it. Most of the time you're hearing somebody who's not opened the Bible. They're quoting somebody else they heard that has said that. And down the way, you may get to somebody who actually opened the scripture to see if it contradicts itself. And they found a line here and they found a line here. Ah, look, there's a contradiction. And they took zero effort to interpret. They took zero effort to look at the context and understand what is happening there. There's no contradictions in scripture. Our God does not contradict himself just look at what's happening here. If you have dealt with a murder, and you know, folks, there's, there's people in our church family that have. I, I can't fathom having to process that. I mean, think how much a loss, think how much death is hard for us to work through without adding uh, the confusion and, and the violence of, of that kind of, of situation. I can't imagine working through that. But if my loved one, if my friend is murdered, God's instruction to me, God's instruction to me is to love that person, forgive that person, to turn the other cheek, to not get revenge. And do you know why God says that? Because he loves me. He is saying that for my well-being, my emotional, spiritual well-being as we move forward. You know, I said a moment ago, we, we need to know, we want to know what God says over our own thoughts and opinions and ideas. You know why? Because none of my thoughts and opinions and ideas come from perfect knowledge, not one. Neither do yours. None of my thoughts and ideas come out of perfect love. Neither do yours. But every word of God comes out of perfect knowledge. Every word of God comes out of perfect love. And yes, that means we have to understand God's word that way when God's word says things that we don't like. And if you're honest with yourself, there's a verse or two in there you don't like. I don't like that. I don't agree with that. That makes me be something, do something I don't want to be. I don't want to do. But it was spoken out of love. It was spoken out of perfect knowledge. And so, yes, God is going to tell, look at the word there, the individual. The individual. That's the operative word there. My individual response to a murder is to love, to forgive, and and to turn the other cheek. That is not what God has called society to do. Go back to Genesis 9-6. Society is never called, not in one verse, not in one place, does God say, society, I want you to turn the other cheek. Society, I want you to to love. No, what does he tell society to do? Bring justice. 
Not, not only is there no contradiction there, there is a perfect balance there to dealing with hurt and wrong in the world because it will be an awful challenge on my life to love and sir, forgive and turn the other cheek if that murder has been there. But wouldn't it be, and I use this word so carefully, easier, not easy, wouldn't it be easier for me to personally take on the challenge of God's scripture individually if society did what it was supposed to do? If justice was brought the way God said to bring it? So there's no contradiction there. Here's God's directive for the individual. Here's God's directive for society. And they work perfectly together. Justice is done, but God's not releasing mobs. And God's not releasing angry people to just go get revenge. Who, who is society? Who, who is society? It would be government, right? Let, let, me, let me not just state that. Let me, let me prove that. Romans chapter 13. If you have a Bible and want to turn to it. Romans chapter 13. And uh, I'm going to begin in verse 4. Now, if you go back up to verse 1, God is, as Romans chapter 13 begins with God instituting government, talking about government, and he gets to verse 4 and he talks about one of the roles of government. For he, it uses the pronoun he because it's been talking about a ruler or rulers. We would just refer to it as the government. For the government is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, okay, if you, the individual, this isn't talking about armies, it's not talking about just wars, that's a whole nother, whole nother situation. If you, the individual, do wrong, be afraid, for the government does not bear the sword in vain. The government has not been given the authority to execute, the government has not been given the authority to end a life for no reason at all. There is a reason. There is a purpose. Well, what is, what is that reason? Well, let's finish the sentence. For the government is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. So clearly that assignment is being given to the government. Also, notice we've now got Genesis, we got Romans, we got two passages separated by almost 1,500 years. God's very clear, God's very consistent in, in what he is saying. There's no contradiction there at all. In the New Testament, God is saying the government has been given the responsibility to execute. And again, I'll tell you something, that would be one I would read and it'd make me a little nervous. Why? Because I don't know if y'all have noticed, but governments are not always perfect, are they? As a matter of fact, sometimes governments are really, really, really imperfect. That imperfection might come out in something like we already addressed, a, a, a racism or setting up a system where, where people that are impoverished don't have the same access to that justice. But you know what the first thing that comes to my mind when I think about the imperfection of government? What if we kill somebody innocent? I mean, that's, that's actually, again, one of the arguments against the death penalty. I mean, we don't do anything perfectly, so sooner or later we're going to execute an innocent person. And, and when you look at mankind, you have to recognize the reality, the probability of that happening. And I'll tell you, I googled with fear and trepidation. How many innocent people have we killed? And I mean, I, I was kind of waiting to see this number. I was kind of waiting to see, you know, we can count on 9% of all executions are of an innocent person. 
So I was a little bit surprised when I got there. The, the, the research going back to 1976, and by the way, when you do a lot of research on, on the death penalty in America, it's going to go back to 1976, because prior to 76, we went through a long season where the death penalty was not used. It was outlawed in the United States. In 76, we brought it back. So most of the research I'm looking at is, is looking at a 42-year block. It's, it's looking at since 1976. And since 1976, we don't have one known case of an innocent person being executed. Not, not one. Now, folks, the word, is that kid acting up? I have to get him out of here. I'm going to, Walt, I'm looking for notes when I get home. He's a smart kid. I think he's going to be able to respond to me. But uh, folks, you think about that. Not one known case. Now that word known is the operative word there. That doesn't mean we have not executed an innocent person. It doesn't mean that. It means we don't know it. He said, well, are you counting on ignorance? No, folks, you know what? On this issue, there really is not a lot of ignorance These cases are well-researched after a death penalty is given. And they're they're researched all the way up to the execution. And they're researched beyond the execution. Because there are groups that want to prove that we're executing innocent people. And so, listen, there's no lack of digging and, and researching and trying to find that we're doing wrong. And knowing all that activity is going on. I mean, to me, that kind of sends something... We don't, we don't have one known case. Now, you don't, don't confuse this with, my, my guess is you might have read or you might have heard about a story where somebody on death row was found to be innocent. I mean, think of what DNA evidence has done for us in the, in the last decades. I mean, we've gotten a lot better at that. It is proving that. So yes, there have been people who were on death row that were found to be innocent. But as far as going into an execution, we don't actually have a known case where we executed an, an innocent person. I still think there, because we don't do anything perfectly. I still think there's the possibility of that, and that's kind of frightening. But I would also say it does not appear we have some kind of overwhelming issue happening that would suggest we just got to bring the, the death penalty to stop. I don't know what God was thinking here. No, that, that, that doesn't seem to be the case. You know, folks, as, we, as I try to conclude this, maybe I should have said this more in the, in the beginning. We are talking about murder today, right? We're not, we're not talking about self-defense. We're not talking about uh, an accidental death. We're not talking about what goes on in war. We're not talking about negligence. I'm not saying those aren't things that need to be worked through, talked through, and what is just and right and all of those different things. I'm just saying that's not what we're talking about today with the death penalty. We're talking about murder. When an individual or individuals take the life of another or others for gain... For revenge, and I probably would, or because they're out of control. Man, I read a story this week, absolutely unrelated to what I was doing to prepare for today. I just came across the story. A uh, guy in his 20s uh, was just recently, I think it was about a year ago, was sentenced. Uh, he, he killed his fiance. Uh, he, he stabbed her 26 times. Not only did he not get the death sentence... He didn't even get life in prison. 
Do you know why? Do you know why he is going to spend less than 25 years in prison for stabbing his fiancée 26 times? Because it wasn't his fault. He was taking illegal drugs and it caused a psychotic response in his life. Now, this is an opinion. I'm not, I'm not going to back this up with a verse. I'm not going to back this up with law. But there is a point in your life when you are in control. And if you choose to begin doing things that put your life in an out-of-control situation, you are responsible for everything you do out of control. That person is to be executed. Not because we want revenge. Not even because it's for justice. It's because we value life that much. It's because we want to see life protected that much. And everybody needs to know that going into any way that they choose to live and respond to the world that they live in. So so we have this clear directive with a really difficult application. I, I mean, folks, you know, even when I think about... I want to protect that innocent person. I'm glad there's this process whereby we're going to make sure and make sure and make sure. But do you know, even that process to me confuses the sense of justice and, and, and how we value life. Those, those 20 people I keep referring to in 2016, the average time from their sentencing, not the crime, the crime would have happened one, two, three years prior to that. The average time from their sentencing to their execution was 18.5 years. Now, when you add back to the crime, you know, when we read about it in the news, when you go back to the crime and you add two, three, you're now, we're, we're, it's taking us two decades to bring justice. It's taking us two decades. Remember what God said to society? I hold you accountable for what's going on in your land. And it's taking us over 20 years to say we value life. That amount of time to me, and folks, I don't have an answer. I'm not smart enough for that. I, I don't have the But to me, that 20 years is confusing the situation. 17,250 murders, and we respond with 20 executions, and it's going to take us over 20 years to give that response. And what's, what's going to be in the news on that day? Is it going to be the lives of those that were violently and mercifully taken from us? Is it going to be how it impacted those families? No, it's, it's, it's going to be on the person being executed. It's going to be about his loved ones. More likely, it's going to be about the people marching out in front of the prison who, who believe in the wrongs and then the injustices of, of the death penalty. And so any value of life that was taken is completely gone. I don't, I don't know how to fix that. that, that that's beyond me. But we got to keep working at it. we, we got to keep working at fixing it. And so here the Bible gives us this directive. And, and, and there's a hard application. And you know, even as I say application. You know, my, my goal here generally speaking. Is, is when we walk out the door in a few minutes. Is that we all know individually. What I'm supposed to think or say or do. In light of the, the passage. In light of the topic that we looked at today. Well this one's kind of tough. What am I supposed to go out here and do about the death penalty today? I mean how do I. How am I supposed to. Wait a minute. There actually is a super clear. Application in every life in this room. That we're supposed to do. And it's not go out and hunt up a debate this week. Although I, we should be prepared for a debate, right? 
No, folks, the application of what God is saying about death penalty and government and when life's been taken, it is to be taken. The application of all that, folks, is we value life. We don't kill. Does that need to be said in America? We don't kill. And because we so highly value life, I don't trust myself with anger. I don't trust myself to tear people down. I don't even want to get on a road. I'm never going to commit a murder. Folks, the fact that I'm being called to so highly value life means I don't even get on a road that could potentially one day end at a murder without a control emotions and actions. We value life. I mean, I mean yes. When we say we value life and we quote scripture as a society, we have to think about how does that apply to things like abortion and euthanasia and and the death penalty. But we are going to best apply things at a society level when we're applying it at an individual level. I mean, yes, there's a negative command here. Don't murder, kill the murderer. But the application for every one of us is that life is to be so highly valued. I need to think so carefully. I need to critique myself regularly on how I think about people, how I talk about people, how I treat people. Because every one of them, every single one of them is made in the image of God. And there is a consequence for not respecting that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, I, I want to be, we want to be a people who value life. And Lord, sitting in a church and talking about ideas, it, it, it's easy to affirm that and to agree with that and then to go out and live in ways that may never actually result in somebody laying on the ground with blood. But we're actually feeding a culture of hate. We're feeding a culture of, of violence. Oh Lord, you have given us tough commands to love to forgive, to turn the other cheek. God, may may we realize those aren't just difficult rules to see if we can work our way into heaven. You said to love and to forgive because that other person, as awful and as nasty and as mean as they are, was made in your image. And if there's nothing else I like about that person, nothing else I respect about that person, God, that I would respect, they're made in your image. They're your servant. They're they're left in your hands for how their life is to be dealt with. Oh God, I I, I pray we would go out here. Yes, yes, ready to discuss with friends, ready to discuss with, with anyone to be able to speak life and to talk about why the death penalty is not death, it's life. But Lord, I pray first and foremost, we stop and evaluate every single day how we're respecting life all around us. And obviously, Lord, that, that's a prayer about the people we don't like. Whether we're right or whether we're wrong, there are people we don't like, there are people we don't agree with, there are people we... Lord, there's people we'd be fine if they were dead. Lord, help me to think about how I apply life and the value of it right there. Oh, Lord, you know we need your help in that. And we ask for your help in the name of Jesus Christ.
Amen. Amen.